Well, for more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to The Soul of Enterprise, business and the knowledge economy sponsored by SAGE, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, we're going to have a little fun and talk about famous last words. How you doing, Ron? I've never felt better. Oh, dude, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> You know why that's not good? No. That was the last words that Douglas Fairbanks spoke before he kicked. <laughs> Never felt better. Dead. Uh, Dead at the age of 57. Yeah, not really good. I, I, so the, the theme of this show, folks, is famous last words. And this was suggested to us uh, last week. And actually, Ron, you kind of just suggested threw out in the middle of the show. And then one of our listeners, Justin Royer, said, oh, God, you, you guys have totally got to do that show. So we're like, oh, OK, what the heck? Yeah, he said <laughs> you got to do that sooner or, than later or something like that. And it's just I hope nothing's wrong. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we think, hey, it's October. Uh, we might as well do this kind of like a Halloween theme. We'll pick up on the macabre a little and and we'll talk about famous last words. And turns out that there's been several books written about this subject. And one of the ones that you and I came up with and decided that we're going to plow through today is compiled by Ray Robinson, who I believe has passed away. I meant to look him up, but he would be like a hundred now, Ron. I don't know if you noticed that. So I wonder, was wondering what his last words perhaps were. But um, and the, the, it, the book is Famous Last Words, Fond Farewells, Deathbed Diatribes, and Exclamations Upon Expiration. <laughs> Great Some, subtitle. <laughs> yes, awesome <laughs> subtitle. And, you know, it, 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 he has a, just a, a brief little introduction. He tells a story about how, you know, his, his dad left him with a piece of paper with a quote on it uh, that, that was, was uh, apparently the dying words of someone, American poet uh, Jeff I'm sorry, Joseph Rodman Drake, um, and then he didn't realize until later that you know the, the handwritten quote that his dad had written out was actually in Bartlett's familiar quotations. Anyway, <laughs> it's just kind of a thing. But what he, he and I like this this one sentence he has in the little preface or introduction. He said, "The beauty of some of these last words is that they may open a window through which we feel we can catch a glimpse, if only for a moment." Of the entire life that preceded it, and in, in a way that reminded me of the quote, you know, when we're the, your life flashing before your eyes, right? And how uh, what may, what maybe the, the, some of these quotes do is really summarize 
the life that came before them and, and allows their lives to flash before our eyes, if only but a, for, for a moment. So um, I think it's an interesting topic for a show. So let's let's jump in. I, I kind of stole that first one by by going talking about Douglas Fairbanks. So what do you got? What do you want to share? What was a couple of the quotes that jumped out at you? Well, Ed, I I, uh, I I loved also too what uh, Robinson's put in the uh, foreword. He quoted Clarence D- Darrow, who once said, "I've never killed anybody, but I have read many obituaries with delight." I, <laughs> I just thought that was a great line. That is a great line. <laughs> and I guess this show comes from our love of quotes, right? And and even studying entrepreneurs, when you read their histories, biography, autobiography, usually. You know, their their last words are usually reported. And one of the things that needs to be said is these are very, very difficult to validate and to authenticate. Clearly, be- yeah. You know, because the people, uh, the people that were witnesses could be distraught, you know, over the death of a loved one or confused or whatever. And so uh, even a lot of the quotes, in, I wouldn't say a lot, but some of the quotes, like the, our famous um, The Expert Speak show we did, some of the quotes in Robinson's book, I've learned, are incorrect. So I'm actually drawing from another book called Last Words of Notable People uh, by a guy named William Bronze. It's a much bigger book. It's like 700 pages, but it's 3,500 people. That oh my is. gosh, wow. But what he does is he says because so many of these are doubtful, he actually puts doubtful if, if he believes it's doubtful and if he thinks it's been verified, then he tells you so. But he'll also have different uh, variations of the same theme because sometimes they're quoted, you know, misquoted, whatever. So I gotcha. think he's a little bit more thorough than the Robinson book. But the stuff and, – and I've broken these out into just the three broad categories that I've done. Famous people – which would include actors, sports figures, writers, you know, anybody like that. But then there's infamous people. Mm. And I actually think some of the more interesting uh, quotes are from like convicted murderers, people about to get the death sentence or gangsters throughout history. These are easier actually to verify because, of course, you know, the media is all over these people and their last words are usually recorded very well. Mm, yeah, that makes right? sense. So, so I, I, and I find that some of them are absolutely hysterical. Um, and then the other one, of course, that you run across a theme uh, in, in a lot of these is Titanic survivors. And so I've got, I've got a section on that too, but. Um, <laughs> a whole but, section on Titanic survivors? Yeah, I, I know. It's unbelievable. But let, let me give you one that really stuck out for me. Okay. Um, Ethan Allen, who, you know, many of you probably think of the furniture store or something, but he was an American military officer. And uh, he, in response to some, say, his physician saying to him, General Allen, the angels are waiting for you. Mm-hmm. He said, waiting, are they? Waiting, are they? Well, goddamn them, let them wait. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well played, Ethan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you know, another I, one I really liked was uh, Johnny Ace, the American musician. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he had uh, R&B top 10 records and all that. And he was killed at the age of 25 while playing Russian roulette in Houston, Texas. And his last words were, I'll show you that it won't shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bad, bad quote there. That were were bad, uh, bad, bad belief system there. <laughs> you know, I I did find as I was walking through some of these quotes that there, you know, you could clearly tell 
as as Robinson puts it, a glimpse of the life that came before it. You know, you can tell who who really enjoyed life and who who was clearly depressed, like most right. of their lives. Right. Just just basically through some of these quotes, and like I said, the, the the accuracy of some of these is suspect. I mean, the one that I was thought that jumped out at me immediately as suspect was from Woodrow Wilson, who's who supposedly said the machinery is worn out. I I'm pretty sure I remember reading that that Wilson suffered a catastrophic stroke. He did, and and was unable to speak Correct. for for years and so it, were, it were months or whatever it was, and and ne- and that that was probably just completely made up by his wife. Right, and and that's another thing that happens too. But people close to the person, especially if they're famous statesmen or whatever, they want to, you know, preserve the record for posterity. So they'll make up something or they'll tweak it or whatever. And and like you said, I I have found a lot of these where the person was ill, maybe their throat was swollen or something, and they couldn't talk. So when they say last words, last words that somebody heard, it could have been mm-hmm. even a couple days prior to their passing. Right. Right, and or or wrote down, or or in the case of one, I think from Martin Luther King, actually delivered as a speech. Right. So. Yeah, and some and some last words are actually written suicide notes, and, sure. and either, or just they know they're going and they're going to write a statement to their loved ones or their family or something like that. The other thing that is interesting Ed, is a lot of them are just quite banal, you know, just you know uh, saying goodbye to the wife or the family, standing around their deathbed or whatever. So you know, even somebody like Ernest Hemingway basically just said goodbye, Katie or what I forget his wife's name, but mm-hmm. you know, and you think, wow, he is a famous writer, right? You're going to hear something profound, and it's just you know, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably better because do you have the do you have the one on your list from from our our, our uh, you know our famous famous economist Karl Marx? Do you have that one on your list? Yes, and he didn't say it. <laughs> oh, he didn't say it. So that's so that so he ended up not saying it. But it's so attributed to him. It is, right? It is, that, and, and, and it's kind of poetic, right? That it ends up being attributed to him. It, it is. It's great. In fact, I used it in my book, uh, not knowing that he didn't say it. But when you dig into it, he didn't say it. He, his physician was actually with him and said, "You'll be fine. You're going to recover." Mm-hmm. And you know, supposedly his maid came in and asked him, uh, "Do you have anything you want to say as last words?" And that's when he shouted, supposedly that quote. But she wouldn't have asked him that if the doctor said, "You're going to get better." Well, let's share it, I guess, anyway, which is he's sure. supposed to have said, go on, get out. Last words are for fools <laughs> who haven't said enough, right? <laughs> and doesn't that just sound like Marx? I mean, it does sound like Marx. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's his last words, but it's clearly something he said. That's I would go with. I would go with it that he probably did say that at some point. <laughs> and, and, and I just got to do one shout out to my dad, uh, Albert Anastasia, who was an American gangster. Uh, he was an executioner, supposedly, for Murder, Inc. He, killed, he was killed at the age of 55 while sitting in a barber chair at the Park Sheridan Hotel barbershop in New York. His yep. last words were to the barber, and it was, a quick haircut. <laughs> <laughs> My dad told me, he's told me multiple times, that a lot of people got knocked off sitting in barbershops. Oh, yeah. No, that's you know, famous for whackings, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, no, you got to be careful of those barbershops. And and of course the the restaurants, right? You always want to make sure that you you know sit with your back to the wall. That's right. uh, <laughs> Now, you I I know you found this one because I found your doppenganger uh Mo Berg. 
<laughs> oh well, yeah. I mean, so we got so now. So let's just go there. We've got a few minutes left. I was going to Moberg, you know, who uh, was a baseball player, actually fascinating guy. Uh, and I, and I, in fact, I had l- looked him up in detail because I had heard about him, but but needed to to study him more for this. Uh, said supposedly said this. How are the Mets doing today? Which. I'm a huge New York Mets fan, and oh, by the way, the Mets played tonight the first their first playoff game in a decade, so right. I'm absolutely thrilled. So there's a tie-in there. But then this guy, Moberg, who played catcher for the Brooklyn Robins, which then became the Brooklyn Dodgers, which then became the Los Angeles Dodgers, who coincidentally the Mets are playing today. Uh, not only did was he a baseball player, but then he was, after his career was over, was hired by the CIA. This guy spoke seven languages. And supposedly couldn't hit in any of them because he was. And in fact, the most famous quote about him is still a quote in baseball today. And this is how it goes. In fact, I we we said this last night at my son's baseball game about one of the players on the other team. Good field, no hit. (laughs) So yeah, like like the saying in uh, Texas: "All all hat, no cattle." No cat, right? But but well, it's a little bit different than that because that's kind of like you know braggadocious. You know, he doesn't really have anything. No, this a good field, no hit is he's fantastic in the field and probably can save you some runs, but he can't hit a lick. Right. (laughs) There's quite a bit of last words with respect to baseball. I mean, I was uh, shocked to learn that Oscar Hammerstein, you know, the composer of Oklahoma, The Sound of Music, right? Uh His last words were Ruth. Uh, Gehrig and Rizzuto. Yep. He murmured the names of his three ba- favorite baseball <laughs> players. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. So there's something about baseball. So, and, yes, I, no, there clear, clearly is, and we, we might have some more baseball quotes after after we return from the break. But right now, we want to make sure that you let to let you know you can get a hold of us at asktsoe at verisage.com if you want to send us an email. Of course, we do monitor during the show the hashtag asktsoe on Twitter. If you want to call in, by the way, and we would love to take your calls. If you want to share one, perhaps a famous last word quote, uh, call in eight six six four seven two five seven. Nine zero, and we'd be happy to talk to you about your famous last words. And you know, no, uh, we don't want your famous last words. We want your uh, a famous last words of somebody that you know of. Just to be clear on that. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have, but have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. 
The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise well welcome back everybody we're doing famous last words and we'd like to remind you to keep those itunes ratings coming we know many of you listen on demand and it really helps us when you uh, give us a rating on itunes so we really appreciate that i also like to do a shout out to uh bryce ed bryce sent us a question uh via email and asked us a, a, a very specific and very good pricing question and bryce we just want to let you know we haven't forgot about it and we're going to deal with it in next week's show because next week's show is going to deal with pricing. So just wanted to give you a shout out and let you know we'll be answering your question. So, Ed, what else you got? What other ones did uh, struck you? Oh, man, there's so many. Um, just I, I have to share this one because I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Irish poetry, poetry and, and drama. And the, if, you, if you know anything about Oscar Wilde, you totally appreciate this quote, which is, I'm in a duel to the death with this wallpaper. One of us has to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I, I, I love that. And I hate to burst the bubble, but he didn't oh, say it. False. Wah, wah. So I'm getting stuck <laughs> out here. But he did say this. So, so he did say that because this is my, my favorite Oscar Wildeism, which was when I guess he was crossing the border at some point uh, when he was asked if he had anything to declare. He said, nothing but my genius. <laughs> <laughs> it's another variation too that you see on Wild. His last words were, "I am dying as I have lived, beyond my means." <laughs> yes, but the thing is, um, he developed an ear abscess, which he had surgery for, and the infection spread, and it caused a swelling of his brain. So he he died speechless, basically. Gotcha. So, yeah, um, but still, great line. I just absolutely love that line, and he probably would have said it because he was an enormous wit. It, it's really funny when you go to that famous cemetery in Paris, and I forget the name of it. Do you remember the name of that? No. Uh, yeah. Tons of tons of famous people, including, by the way, a ton of economists are in there. And uh, anyway, Oscar's got quite quite a sight. I mean, most of the tombs are just amazing. And his are covered, and I mean covered with lipstick. Women just go up and, and kiss it. And it's just, it's just amazing to see. I mean, the guy was just a real wit. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's Père, Père Lachaise Cemetery. That's it. That's it. Yep. 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 Paul O'Byrne took me there, and we roamed mm. around. But, uh, hey, I got one. I found that this was really interesting because it's Max Bear, Max Bear's father, you know, uh, Beverly Hillbillies, right, Jethro. Mm-hmm, His dad, mm-hmm. of course, was a heavyweight uh, boxing champion, and he also appeared and acted in more than 20 films, and he checked into a Hollywood hotel uh, after refereeing a boxing match, 
And he had a heart attack while he was shaving. And the desk clerk told him the house doctor would soon come to his room. And he said, he he jokingly replied, no, dummy, I need a people doctor. (laughs) 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 But uh, his last words were, again, kind of banal. But he said, oh, God, here I go. But uh, I just thought that that was a great line. He was funny to the end. Yes. Well, on on the theme of hotel, unless you burst my bubble on this one, I, I want to get my the Conrad Hilton one in here, which supposedly was leave the shower curtain on the out inside of the tub. Yeah, the the best I can come on that is he actually said that on the Johnny Carson show. Now okay. he might have said it too as his last words, but I've never seen it. Never seen it officially reported as such. Yeah, great, another great line, and very true, by the way. So, absolutely, just teach, teach all you people out there. That's where the shower curtain goes on the inside of the tub. I bet if the maids could say one thing to all the guests, it would probably be that. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Ron, why are we doing this show? Why we're here? We are on the Business Channel. Why are we doing this show on Famous Last Words? I, I think, again, because we love quotes, and I think in our Entrepreneur Heaven shows, some of the times, um, they talked about their last words, mm-hmm. and you always kind of want to put that in there. And I, I just think there's, there's wisdom in some of these, but mostly just because it's fun. And, and it is a bit macabre, but it, it's also, you know, if, I have a lot in here from entrepreneurs, so if we just wanted to limit it to business, but uh, I, I think there's some really interesting stuff in here, so... And I, and I just think that as business people, I, you know, I, we, we, we kind of collect quotes as sort of both of our hobbies. And we, we did it before we even met. We were both collecting quotes. And I think we at one point swapped uh, quote decks that we used to, <laughs> used to use. <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of sick and twisted there. But, you know, the, and, and I, but, but I think that the, the appropriately timed quote is, is important. And, and not because it's, it's an argument ender. But I think it, excellent quotations are really good conceptual thinking in business. They where they they help and they assist with conceptual thinking, right. and 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 they're they you know they're they summarize things really well. And and I can't remember that who said this, but there was like I, I quote others in 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 order to express myself better, and. And I think that that's very true. That's that's why I quote people, and it's, uh, that's to me. That's why we're doing this show. If one of these is gets passed along to someone who, in the business context, says, you know, I think there here's here, here's one that I think might help with the situation. I think it's a good place to start. Um, and one that I'll throw out there that I think in a business context, although this was not from a business person, but uh, ju- and we just we have to to rail on this every so often, is Elizabeth the first of England saying. Uh, all my possessions for a moment in time, mm-hmm. and I, I thought as I read that, you know, take take that, you timesheet people, <laughs> <laughs> all of you billable hour folks, adherents. It, it's really true, Ed. That you know that cliche that nobody ever says on their deathbed. I wish I spent more time at the office. Right. Um, but you know that that is certainly true. I mean, you can't see any of these that ever say anything about you know I should have worked harder. Um, the other thing I find absolutely fascinating, especially when you read this bigger book, is uh, you know the old saying that there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Uh-huh. That really comes through too, because most of these people are praying, or they're invoking God or Jesus or or whatever, some type of religious. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to meet, uh, I'm going to the gates, whatever it might be, and you just realize uh, what a force belief is in yes. in in uh, 
in history throughout human affairs. Um, you know, a couple of economists that we admire, uh, mm-hmm. Frederick Bastiat, obviously, yep. one of our all-time favorite. His last words were, I am not able to explain myself. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> and from a guy who I think is just one of the most clear writers and funniest writers when mm. it comes to economics, because he just used absurdity to such a satirical end. It was, you know, we should cut off everybody's right hand and we'll have more jobs. And, you know, we, we should, uh, uh, t- what was it, tax the sun, right? Yeah, because it's petition it's, for the candle makers, right? Yeah. yeah. Unfair yep. competition because the price is zero. You know, it's putting the candle makers out of business. I mean, he was brilliant. And Adam the railroad. Smith, I love the railroad oh, one. The negative railroad. Yeah, it should stop in every town. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Adam Smith's last words, which are on his tombstone in Edinburgh, were, I love your company, gentlemen, but I believe I must leave you to go to another world. Ah, and is that verified? Is that the, your book there? That verify is, that yes. one? Okay. Yeah. Very so. interesting. Very interesting. Now, I, I got one for you. Okay. Uh, Ludwig Beethoven, right? Yes, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he said uh, his last words, and I'm not going to speak it in German because I can't, but he <laughs> said, too bad, too bad, it's too late. And uh, he was referring to two bottles of wine from his friend that were brought to his bedside by a servant, but Beethoven felt he was too ill to drink it. So. <laughs> there you go. There, so, hence, too bad, too bad. It's too late. Yep. Well, uh, contrast that when, with with Dylan Thomas, which I really like. I've just had eighteen whiskeys in a row. I do believe that is a record. <laughs> <laughs> There's some imbibing going on with some of these as well, which is another really interesting uh, aspect of it. Yes. We've talked about Jeremy Bentham, the father of utilitarianism, right? right? And, yep. and on our ethics show, we talked about utilitarianism. It looks at the consequences of an action. And he, he believed the whole uh, conflict in life was between pain and pleasure, right? And hence his concept of utils and philosophic calculus. And, you know, if your act was going to create more pleasure than pain, it was thereby ethical. His last words were, I now feel that I am dying. Our care must be to minimize pain. Uh, unbelievable. And he says, do not let the servants come into the room and keep away the youths. It will be distressing to them and they can be of no service. So even to the end, he was still thinking about <laughs> pain and pleasure for <laughs> others. It's really interesting. I found that really interesting. Took, took it all the way to the end. You know, you got to admire that, that he was <laughs> committed to the philosophy, you know, so good, and, good and, stuff. Uh, Another real favorite of mine is Leslie Towns, Hope, which is Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife asked him, you know, where would you like to be buried? And his last words were, surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, you know, it's funny with, with uh, Yogi Berra d- departing in the last couple of weeks. That, that, that was also supposedly attributed to him as well. So. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you could do a whole show on, you talk about doing a show on quotes. Uh, yeah, Yogi. Be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yogi. Uh, another one I think that would be semi-interesting would be just, you know, epitaphs on graves. Some of these folks' grave sites are kind of amazing what they have written on them. What, like what's, uh, what's um, Merv Griffin's, I Shall Not Be Back or something? Hey, yeah. 
I shall not return. <laughs> I shall not return. <laughs> and uh, I found it interesting, too, and I didn't know this, and I should have because I'm a huge Monty Python fan, but Graham Chapman of Monty Python, he was actually a physician. He graduated med school. Wow. And he gave up that to, to become an actor and a writer. And, of course, he was one of the founding members of the Monty Python Flying Circus, and, and he died in 1989, and he said – the events of this last year have renewed my faith in human nature. So I, I figure he's talking about the, Ber- the fall of the Berlin Wall, mm. you know, and, and just the whole, what was going on during that time with the, you know, the near collapse of uh, the Soviet Union, things like that. So, Yeah, I would, that, that makes sense. That must have been. It was right, right around that time. So good, good stuff there. And Charlie Chaplin was, uh, and, and this is doubtful, by the way, but I still think it's pretty cool. He said, why not? After all, it belongs to him. And that was his response to a priest who said, may the Lord have mercy on your soul. <laughs> <laughs> well, was, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But, well, from a, from a, a, a fun standpoint, um, I think the, the one that I like best, and this is another, another Irishman, um, Brendan, Brendan Bean. Mm-hmm. Who uh, wrote some fantastically funny plays? If you ever, if you get, ever get a chance to to, uh, to to read them, they're hysterically funny. Even better if you can find a, an Irish group that that will put them on for you mm-hmm. because they're even more more funny. But uh, Brendan Bean said in, in in hospital deathbed, "Bless you, sister. May all your sons be bishops." <laughs> And that just because I know we're up on a break here, so let me segue into this by giving you Charles Gussman, who was an American radio and television script writer and announcer. He, he in fact, he wrote the pilot script for Days of Our Lives. Okay. And uh, he also wrote on uh, Dr. Malone, Gilligan's Islands, many other shows. And uh, he said he wanted his last words to be memorable. And his daughter reminded him of this as he was dying. So he slowly removed the oxygen mask and he whispered last words. And now... For a final word from our sponsor. <laughs> and so, folks, with that, we need to uh, hear from our sponsor, Azamba. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What if you could close more business with less effort and do it faster? What could your people accomplish if they had their own personal assistant keeping track of meetings and reminding them of follow-ups? What would it mean to have a perfect view of what your team and your prospects and your customers are doing? What if you could run your business from anywhere? You can have it all. Visit www.azamba.com forward slash soul today to find out how. That's azamba, A-Z-A-M-B-A dot com forward slash soul. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the foreword changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise we are doing a show of famous last words based on a couple of books one by ray robinson the the, the, here's here's one, Ron, that I, I came across as interesting. It's not so much for the the quote, which is "Life is still full of joy." Thumbs up for joy and adventure. And the 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 person who said that on their deathbed was Maud Adams, mm. and who is a best known as an an actress and and portrayer of of Peter Pan and other uh, waif like characters on Broadway and and the movies. Mm-hmm. But I was intrigued by this quote, not because of the quote, and be, but because in in uh, Ray Robinson's book, she's listed as actress and inventor. Ah, and I'm like, oh, what did Maude Adams invent? Right. So look look this up. Turns out that she worked with GE on improving stage lighting and had several patents in that area as well as with our friend George Eastman, who we profiled at a previous show, on improving color photography. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, pretty interesting person, Maude Adams. Much, you, much, much greater than you would just have thought. Right, right. You, you, it, um, you know, the accountant in me found this one interesting because I'd never really understood the origin of this quote, you know, death and taxes are the only permanent thing. I think Ben Franklin... That poor Richard Almanac or something? Yeah, Yeah. or something like that. Well, Elizabeth Patterson Bonaparte, American wife of Jerome Bonaparte, the youngest brother of Napoleon. Yes, 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 yeah. uh, yeah. She said uh, her last words were literally, accept taxes, and it was her response to a comment that nothing was certain apart from death. (laughs) And she died in 1879, so I'm not, uh, you know, maybe she uh, was familiar with Franklin, I don't know, but (laughs) (laughs) but that was kind of interesting. Um, the, there's another one too that is is really interesting, and it's it's Disney, and we profile Disney on one of our Entrepreneur Heaven shows, and his last words spoken were "Raise my bed so I can look out at the window and see my studio," because of course he died in the hospital across the the highway, I think, from his studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his last words, Ed, written on, on a note they found, I guess, in his hospital room, it said Kurt Russell. And he's referring to the actor. And Jimmy Kimmel inter- interviewed him in, a, in 2007 on his show and asked him, asked him about this. And Kurt Russell said, no, it's true. He said, they took me into Walt's uh, you know, real live office and they showed me the note where my name was scribbled. Now, he, had just, he was a veteran child actor, of course. And right. he, he had been signed to the MGM uh, deal, then Disney Studio, for the movie Follow Me Boys, which... Mm. Uh, came out, you know, two weeks, I think, um, before Walt died. So maybe Walt was thinking about getting him or, or I don't know, or whatever, signing the contract. But that's, that's the last thing he wrote. And I had never seen that before. And another one that I really like, because I know we both really enjoy reading this guy, Richard Feynman, of course, the Nobel right. Prize winning uh, physicist. 
his last words. And this is just so typical. This dying is boring. (laughs) (laughs) He is a real witty guy, folks. If you read some of his books, they're just really, really good. Talk about somebody who can explain science and you know, in layman's terms and really get his point across. He, he was very good. Yeah. Nope. Fast, fascinating guy. Lo- lo- love Richard Feynman. The, the, you know, an interesting one that, that's along those lines is from the actor who played uh, Santa Claus in, in uh, the mo- movie Miracle on 34th Street. Right. Mm, okay. And uh, and it, it could, because he, he, he was uh, actually very, trained Shakespearean actor. His name is Edmund Gwynn. Uh, and he, somebody asked him, so how, how is dying, it, or is dying hard, is, is, was the question. And he said, it is, but not as hard as farce. <laughs> 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 Which, if you've ever, and I have tried to, to act in farces, farces are extraordinarily difficult. To, to because it's all it, it's 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 comic timing to the nth degree and also sometimes physical timing and especially in a live performance to get to get the elements of farce just right is 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 really an incredible feat sure. absolutely incredible feat yeah so good stuff yeah oh, that's great and speaking of that WC Fields who uh, of course was quite a wit in his own way. Now there's there's a lot of misattribution here because you know this is the famous one that you always hear and you want this to be true because it's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking for loopholes, supposedly is what he said, uh, right? And it was his response to ask why he was reading the Bible in his <laughs> deathbed, <laughs> but he didn't say it. Now- and- the other one that he's given credit for uh, in his deathbed is saying, poor little urchins, no doubt ill-clad, improperly nourished, something's got to be done. He's talking about little kids he can hear outside his window screaming. He then closed his eyes. 20 seconds later, he opens them and says, on second thought, screw them. <laughs> <laughs> but he never said it. it it's, it's thought that his last words were actually, gee damn, the whole friggin' world and everyone in it but you, Carlotta. Uh, which was his longtime companion. That's supposedly what W.C. Fields said. What was actually the case? Okay. Well, yeah. one of my favorites that I, you know, one of those I, I want to be be true as well is Rich, Richard Burton, who on his deathbed is supposed to have said, "She still fascinates me," referring, mm-hmm. of course, referring of course to Elizabeth Taylor. Sure, sure. And and, and what what struck me about this was that. I was like, I don't know. For maybe because he he died when when I was younger, and I thought always thought of him as an older guy. But I, Richard Burton died at fifty nine. Run fifty nine. Wow. I mean, I I don't know. I was young, but I just thought he, I thought he was eighty. Maybe he just looked so terrible from all the hard drinking or whatever that he was doing. But man, fifty nine. That is wild. And, and just to get the entrepreneur theme back in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, uh, sorry. No, quite all right. The, the, I, these all, I love all these. Um, John D. Rockefeller supposedly said, goodbye, I'll see you in heaven. And he said it to Henry Ford. And Henry Ford's response was, "If you, you will if you get in. <laughs> <laughs> but but Ed, the, the section that I just find absolutely amazing is the infamous people. Okay, and I'm not trying to put these folks on a pedestal, but uh, I I have to say there's some incredible wit, uh, in especially people about to be hanged or executed or whatever. And mm-hmm. I think it goes back to that saying that you know nothing focuses the mind like being hanged in the morning. Yep. 
because then you know your last words are going to be recorded for posterity. So you really do give it some thought. Um, George Apple, for instance, he was uh, put to death in 1928 for killing a New York cop. Uh, he said, well, folks, you'll soon see a baked apple. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) All right. That's good. All right. And and uh, how about this one? Uh, this is great. Uh, Gary Burris, uh, American murderer. He shot and killed a cab driver in Indianapolis in 1980. is executed at the age of 40 in a lethal injection in Indiana. His last words, beam me up. All right. <laughs> Invoking Star Trek, of Star Trek fame. Very interesting there. Now, this is something that's going to play, I think, on people's consciences because you've probably heard this and might have forgot about it. Uh, I vaguely remember this. Christine Chubbick, she was an American television news reporter. She committed suicide by shooting herself in the head during a live telecast. Wow. She died 14 hours later at age 29 in Sarasota, Florida Hospital. And here's here's what she said before she did this on live TV. In keeping with Channel 40's policy of bringing you the latest in blood and guts and in living color, we bring you another first and attempted suicide. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, don't you vaguely kind of sort of remember yeah. that? I, it, 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 came, it was coming back to me, but I'm kind of fuzzy on it. It's like, wow, that's just really wild. And that's, and, yeah, that's something you would want to repress, though. Horrible. Yeah. You would. That's that's just a, a ridiculous and a just gruesome image. The the other one was, and you'll remember this. Said what was the famous SNL running gag on the on their new show? And I'm talking about in the 70s. Oh, the Fran- Jane, you ignorant slut one. Or? Well, no, uh, fr- uh, Francisco Franco, the dictator of Spain. Oh, still, is still dead. Yeah, he's uh-huh. still dead. Well, his last words were, "My God, how hard it is to die." <laughs> 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 uh, the other one I liked was Jimmy Glass. He he mur- he was a murderer convicted of killing a couple, um, and and of course he positioned. The, I found this interesting. The U.S. Supreme Court claiming execution by electrocution is cruel and unusual punishment, um, and but yet he was still executed. And his last words were, "I rather be fishing." Fair enough. I'm I'm with him there. I'm with him there. <laughs> well, I'm not a big fisher though. I I don't know. I guess I'd rather fish than die, but you know, one one that I came across that's in in this theme was from uh, John Andre, who is the officer who, I guess, assisted Benedict Arnold in committing treason, mm-hmm. and he was complaining not about having to die at at the the hands of his captors, but about the mode of death, right? Mm-hmm. So he so which you know I I find that topic kind of fascinating like what does it matter right Right. but he's like i'm reconciled to my death but detest the mode because he was slated to be hanged instead of shot uh you know shot by a firing squad that it will be but a momentary pang but i i pray you bear witness that i met my fate like a brave man right and just just interesting that it was so important to him that the the mode was was crucially important right yeah, no. I ran across several of that same type of theme. They wanted to die with dignity and, and bravery and, and, you know, face it fair and square. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially you read a lot of the beheadings from, you know, France and, and all of that and what they finally, you know, what they said to the executioner mm-hmm. uh, up there on the gallows or whatever. 
Um, one that I thought was really funny also was Thomas Grasso. He was convicted of murder, uh, died by lethal injection. His last words were, I did not get my SpaghettiOs. I got spaghetti. I want the press to know this. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's something, Ed, that you're going to remember the name of this guy, Robert Alton Harris. Um, uh-huh. murder, killed two teenage boys. Um, he died in San Quentin's gas chamber in 92, first person to be executed in California since 67. And I actually think this is pretty profound coming from a murderer. He said, you can be a king or a street sweeper, but everyone dances with the Grim Reaper. There you go. <laughs> absolutely poetic it even rhymes a little bit there it, it does yeah have to and and of course this one james french now that's an important name he was a convicted murderer executed in oklahoma he said how about this for a headline french fries <laughs> <laughs> so with that folks we need to take our final break and listen to uh, a word from our sponsor and ed's employer sage Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise just to quickly jump back to the theme of baseball, Ron, for a second on our show here on Famous Last Words, I want to relate to you, and I believe that this has been verified because of the nature of the situation, but one of the most famous people in, in baseball is a fellow by the name of Branch Rickey, who was a, a player in his early days, uh, turned out to be then a, an owner and general manager of other teams, starter of a, a league that was then incorporated in. Uh, he invented such things in baseball, such as the farm system. It's all be, mm-hmm. it's it's because of Branch Rickey that there we, we there's a there's the farm system in baseball, and of course he was the one who was responsible for bringing Jackie Robinson to the Brooklyn Dodgers and breaking the color barrier in 1947. Oh, yeah. uh, but he also was an absolute incessant 
talker. I mean, you could not <laughs> get the guy to shut up. But he he was he was delivering a speech, and the 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 whole famous words I won't go into because it's like this big long thing about doctors and medicine, and he was rambling and blah 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 blah. And all of a sudden, I guess he felt something go wrong, and and he just he paused, and he just said. I, I don't believe I'm going to be able to speak any longer and mm. prompt, promptly had a massive heart attack and died on the dais. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> but just a kind of an interesting story. But listen, you, you said what you said earlier in the show, and I just want to pick up on this theme that you've got a bunch of quotes from, now you said survivors of the Titanic, but did you mean, Survivors of the Titanic who are then relating about last words to people who were on the Titanic. That's probably what you meant, right? Right, right. So, some okay. were, yeah, some I think were, but um, survivors, because, you know, some people did survive it. But, uh, for instance, John Jacob Astor IV, right, American businessman, you know, great grandson, I think, of John Jacob Astor, you know, this very wealthy family, um, He his last words were, the ladies have to go first, get into the lifeboat, Please, goodbye, my dearie. I'll see you later. And this was spoken to his wife, Madeline. Uh, another uh, person, Henry Harris, an American theatrical producer, um, he, his last words were, all right, goodbye, my dear. He hugged and kissed his wife goodbye, then climbed back to the deck of the Titanic where he drowned. And the one that I found interesting was from Ida Strauss. She mm. said, we have been together for 40 years, and we will not separate now. She actually refused the lifeboat, stayed on the Titanic, and, and died with her husband, Isidore. He right. was a New York department store magnet. Yeah, Strauss's um, department store, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and what, what I find interesting about this, Ed, and this kind of goes back to ethics as well, because you know we teach ethics, and we always use this modified lifeboat case study Mm -hmm. And we've literally given this thing out to literally run thousands of people through this case study, and they have to solve it. They have to make decisions about who lives and who dies. There's eight people in a lifeboat, and they all have their you know picadillos or whatever. It's a real interesting case study. But in all the times that we ran this, only two, only two groups, both of which were in Minnesota, different dates. Mm-hmm said the Titanic ethic, which was women and children first. Interesting. <laughs> that ethic is dead, mm. at least among professionals who, who, yeah. <laughs> who have to go to an <laughs> ethics course. I'm telling you, that ethic is dead, and I find it fascinating. And this, this, this came up so many times that I went and I got the, the Titanic survival rates. And when you look at the survival rates... Adult male passengers, 18.4%. Female passengers, 71.7%. Children, 51.7%. All men, 20%. All women, 73%. Survivability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where only about 32% overall as a, as a whole ship survived. So, obviously, the women and children first ethic was alive. Uh, and well in the Titanic age, even though, you know, people talk about the first class, second class, third class cabin differences, right? Right. That, that, everybody makes a big deal out of that. And there's a lot of, I think, a lot of just hyperbole around that. But, I mean, basically the women and children ethic uh, was alive and well. And I, I just, it's dead. And I just find that fascinating. 
Do, do you have any explanation for it? What, what, oh, why yeah, you think I think that is? The feminist movement. No. <laughs> I, I, um, you know, I've, I've talked to women about it, and that's what they tell me. They say, oh, yeah, it's feminism. We want equality. I said, well, you got it. So now we'll be fighting for the lifeboat. <laughs> I'm not sure this is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, that is interesting. I suppose, you know, it, that, it very well could be um, that, that, that piece. I, I don't know. But you, you would think it would be at least children first then, though, right? Or is that? Exactly. And in and, and this case study that, that we do, we, we have a couple of children. Now, one's terminally ill, so most people let her die because she's going to die anyway. But, you know, one isn't. And nobody ever says, you know, we must protect the most innocent among us. That, mm-hmm. that rarely comes up as well. The, the other thing that comes up, uh, which I find very interesting, is in this case study, it is written by a doctor, and you play the doctor in the case study, and everybody saves the doctor, and yet we had a doctor come into one of our courses, and he saw the case study, he said, there's no way I could save myself. I, my first rule is to do no harm, and therefore I have to sacrifice myself and for the better of the group. And but I'll tell you that ethic seems to be dead too. The the whole idea that doctors should do no harm. Hmm. But so the so the doctor said no. Definitely, I'm not going to. I I would not be able to save myself. Right. Even There's, though like everybody else was would be insistent on it. Right. Basically, he brought this disease on board, and there's a vaccine, but you only have enough for four people, and there's eight in a lifeboat. Okay. So it forces the groups to, you know, say who, which four are going to live, which four are going to die. And the doctor said, well, look, first off, I brought this problem on board. But second, even if I didn't, there's no way I, I could inflict harm. I would have to sacrifice myself to make the vaccine and let others live. But boy, uh, amongst everybody else, everybody saves the doctor. And I just find that to go so far against doing your duty. Mm. You know, we talked about deontology and Immanuel Kant doing your duty. And nobody seems to think about that in terms of the doctor. And I, I don't know if you saw this report, but the woman who uh, had uh, um, Drano or something or antifreeze poured in her eyes to go blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, have you heard about this case? The body? I no. don't. Um, I forget the, it's a DSM designation. Um, uh, I forget the name of it. Body something, body able identity disorder, body integrity, body integrity, identity disorder. It's when you feel you should have uh, a, a disability and you don't, everything works fine. This woman thought she says from the day she was born that she knew she should be blind and she wasn't. And her, she found a psychiatrist, University of Columbia professor of okay. psychiatry. So this is an MD, and he helped her blind herself. He poured antifreeze, he sprinkled antifreeze in her eyes, and she went blind. There's a story wow. in the Washington Post. And this has hit the mainstream news. This was last Friday, I think. And okay. it just blew my mind because I thought, well, he's got a duty to do no harm. <laughs> I think right. the guy should be, you know, he should be prosecuted. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's, there's no excuse for that. I don't care what psychiatrists call it. But anyway. And is, is he is he seem to be getting off off I, of this? Because I haven't been able to find anything okay. about right. the, the attorney general wanting to prosecute him in the state. I'm not sure. I forget what state it was, too, by the way. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Well, Ron, we've got to wrap this up. But fascinating stuff. 
you know, I, and I, I do think that these quotes can can help us better express ourselves. But I'm, I'm what, what what one do you want to leave us with? I'm gonna we'll each each pick one. Leave me with one. one oh more. wow. Um, well, I have to say John Maynard Keynes. I okay. wish I had drunk more champagne. <laughs> <laughs> yep, always a always a good one. Uh, I, I let's let's stay on that theme, and I'll I'll go with uh, Pablo Picasso. Drink to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Ed. What do we have up next week? By the way, next week we are going to go stay on our go, hit our theme of pricing, as we mentioned earlier. The show is going to be entitled "Be a Price Searcher, Not a Price Taker." So we're going to talk about the Van Westendorp model and a fellow by the name of Von Neinbach. So we're looking forward to that. Fantastic. And then, Bryce, that's when we'll deal with your question. Well, that's great, Ed. I look forward to it, and I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage. Supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. 